0: Hi, welcome to Books and Broomsticks, I'm Chaotic
1: Witchaunt.
2: And I'm Matt Hatter Plays, and today we have a very special guest with us, Sean. Welcome, Sean.
1: Hello, hello, thanks for having me.
2: Um, so you are a Cornish historian.
1: Oh, that's uh, that's billing me quite well. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Cornish and I've done a couple history degrees. I don't know if that makes me a Cornish historian, but I'll take it.
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, of anybody to talk about um, Cornish history and also like history over the pond over there. Um, it would be you because honestly I feel like we get a lot weirdly wrong Um, but what's a few things about Cornish history that we should know right off the bat
1: well Cornwall is pretty fascinating so for those not aware of what Cornwall even is um, it's not technically a county it's technically a duchy which is some weird thing I won't go into but we are the region right at the bottom of the UK that Little peninsula jutting out into the Atlantic Ocean that is Cornwall um, and we've got quite an interesting history with England and with the rest of the UK. Um, I can I can go on and on about that if you want or if uh,
2: you want. yeah always <laughs> so, I mean please do let's
1: go. So Cornwall's pretty fascinating because we are technically one of the Celtic nations. Now, what that means is we've got a Celtic language. So much like uh, Wales and Brittany and France, we've got a Britonic Celtic language, which is Cornish. And then you've got the other Celtic languages, the Goidelic ones. You've got Irish, you've got Manx, you've got Scottish, Gaelic. So all of those languages together are the Celtic languages. That's
2: actually really interesting. I'm so sorry to interrupt. um i every time i hear about the celtic like nations i thought it was some sort of unified thing at this point so i didn't realize it's just language
1: it's not unified at all it's just purely language and culture so the language branches are pretty interesting you've got the britonic and you've got the goidelic and if you go back far enough they both have celtic as their kind of parent language and if you go back far enough then you can start finding branches with um galicia and asturias in spain so you know there's only the sort of six celtic nations at the moment that are recognized but arguably there's lots of regions in spain which are celtic as well if you're going on that but we base them today purely on language and what language exists. So interestingly enough, there's a region in England, North England called Cumbria, which used to be an old Britonic kingdom. So it had the language Cumbric, which was related to Welsh and Cornish, but they no longer have that language. And so they're no longer a Celtic nation. (laughs) Cumbric? Cumbric,
0: yeah. I'm, a, I'm still- a child. I'm so sorry. I, I thought of one <laughs> thing when you said that. I was like, no.
1: but it is really interesting. And um, so a lot of people in the UK don't know this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in Cornwall don't know all of this. So, you know, I would be, I wouldn't criticize Americans whatsoever for having no idea what I'm talking about, because this is stuff that's, you know, pretty niche even over here yeah well
2: that is something like as americans we definitely are not super aware of a lot going on with like the celtic nations as a whole um we're like under the impression that everywhere you turn you're going to fall into a fairy circle or at least that's what TikTok makes us believe
0: stop and no I, I blame i blame a couple things for that education one I blame the American school system for centering everything around America. Like when we learn about other countries, it's about our relations with them. And like, what do we do to help them? Like I learned all about the Mexican-American war, which like it's such a niche thing. And it was literally just America starting a war with Mexico for like a really stupid reason. But I also blame there was a fairy scandal that in the UK and i remember watching those movies religiously when i was a child and that was my education on 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 the fair folk i was like this is it this is what they're
1: like yeah they're all cute they're cute they're fluffy they have little wings they're benevolent yeah they're great see that's the victorian english fairy that's the victorian version of the kind of other folk all rosy cheeks and playing in meadows <laughs> um what they don't kind of highlight is they might be rosy cheek they might be playing in meadows but they might also steal your children as well delicious <laughs> let's go
2: take the kid but
1: That's i my, think the new county. Cal- counting Cal- Cal- <laughs> is a weird one Celtic is a weird one because, and I'm going to be kind of critical, but also really praiseworthy of Americans here. So I'm going to give you a double <laughs> a double whammy of it. So I'm critical in a way because it's really easy to romanticize Celtic
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to turn it into this like homogenous thing and to kind of Uh, romanticize it and to kind of you know put it parallel to fairies and druids and all of this other stuff. Um, I'm going to be praiseworthy because actually a lot of the kind of really gritty folk music, folk dance, um, language, that kind of stuff, a lot of that has had really good revival movements because of Americans because of Americans being interested um and you know to a degree Americans romanticizing it so choosing to jump in and help all of that interesting you know important stuff Mm -hmm. so you know there's a kind of um I don't know it's it's interesting to me, Celtic. It's a bit of a mixed bag for me. And I did my degree in Celtic studies, so I'm a little bit... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, out of curiosity,
2: um, do you think, like, as a professional, that uh, Americans very much, like, romanticizing and Victorian-era fairies, does that come from the basis of the fact that America's built on Victorian values? Like, we are absolutely... Like, in our laws, there's still Victorian law. Um And I was curious, is that where you think that we started getting that or did we just want to look for the cutest version we could and make something other um, out of the Celtic nation?
1: I'm probably going to put my foot in it. I think it's a real complicated, really complex, complicated issue, really. Um, I think that's a really interesting question. But what I do think is that a lot of Americans, and I can only talk for my audience on TikTok and my podcast and what people have emailed me and asked me and told me, what I can kind of glean from that is people are searching for roots. They're searching for some sort of cultural heritage um, if they don't feel connected to the land where they're from essentially. And maybe that's because a lot of it is on blood. (laughs) uh bloody histories and war and oppression and colonialism um and in some ways that can really kind of tie your relationship to where you're from so a lot of people um have got this real kind of rose tinted glasses on and they're looking for something to kind of tether them um in a way but i would say that's not always a purely american thing i would say there's also a lot of romanticization in the uk itself and there's a lot of ignorance in the uk itself so um i certainly wouldn't tar americans with a wholly negative brush and say "Oh, you guys are so ignorant you know nothing because we have plenty of ignorance um Listen. over here I went to an
0: international school in middle school in like Scandinavia, that's a whole other story. But I was called the, like we were, every American there was called the dumb American. So at this point it doesn't even faze me. Someone's like Americans are <laughs> stupid. And I'm like, I got called the dumb American for all of middle school. That is ingrained in my brain now. Like I'm sure there's some trauma to unpack with how I view myself, but <laughs> I'm people are like it. What I almost like, also, I appreciate not painting all Americans with one brush, but when I do see people do that, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, that makes sense,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. But isn't that kind of damaging to people looking for their hair, uh, the heretical like personage, though? They're looking at something from a Victorian England point of view when they say that they're, uh, heretical histories are from you know the isle of man or wherever like somebody looking at it from a cornish point of view they're going to get something wholly off base
1: we're quite we're we're interesting because there is a, there is um you know a diaspora of cornish americans And they are primarily Cornish Americans through mining heritage. So their connection to Cornwall and to Cornish history will be through industrial history. So they won't have that degree of romanticisation. Not that I've noticed anyway. So there is a lot of Cornish Americans who um, have a deep interest in Cornwall. And, you know, they are interested in the folklore, the fairy tales, the Tommyknockers, the Piskies down the mines. But primarily it's through kind of industrial heritage whereas i think irish americans and americans with um scottish heritage and what have you there is probably more likely that degree of romanticization in a way um which it can be damaging because you know you're searching for something that doesn't exist because Celtic is this tangled up umbrella term and actually a lot of what we think of as Celtic was basically made up in the Victorian period. Uh, It was made up for you know whatever reason it was made up for but you know I'm not even going to talk about things like Celtic zodiac trees and all this stuff. It's just You know, shit that's been made up, and then it's really easy to turn into a product and to sell to people. do you mean? I'm not an elder tree. (laughs) What? You can be if you want to be. I'm not going to tell you what you are and what you are. Thank
2: goodness, because I I (laughs) was
1: so worried.
0: The Celtic birth tree, like I don't know if anyone's seen that, but it's like you can look up basically like a Celtic tree zodiac
1: for your birthday. yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah, what that's I what I. Okay,
0: I'm glad because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't vibe at all with the tree that I was given. Yeah. I was like, this is the weirdest tree. Am I but seeing this way? Is this real? I can't tell. They
2: picked elder for me, and I'm like, I am very much not stable. I'm not yeah, sure where like, you got this. He was like, You're
0: so prickly and mean and a little defensive. And I'm like, oh. I am a little defensive, but I don't know. Because about me. of this
1: tree. And because I'm, you've like,
0: been given it this tree. I was <laughs> like, I was like a hawthorn. And I'm like,
2: Really? Hawthorn? Uh, so you also brought up uh, something interesting. When you saw, ta- actually, when I saw your video, uh, by the way, go follow Celtic uh, Sean on uh, TikTok friends. Um, you mentioned the Tommyknockers, and that's a huge thing here in Colorado like we have an entire like brewery an entire city that was uh stationed around the mining camps and sure as uh the brewery is called tommy knockers and they have sodas they have beer um and i was always taught as a kid that that was just a colorado thing so when i saw that video i was like
1: what do you know what comes from Tommyknockers are one of my favourite bits of folklore of the whole world ever because they're a beautiful example of folklore travelling. So Tommyknockers come from the Cornish knockers and the Welsh cobbler and the German cobble, but primarily Cornish knockers, come on. Um, But that is because um, in the sort of 18th and 19th centuries, Cornish miners emigrated en masse to places like America, to Portugal, to New Zealand, to Australia. So there's a real Cornish diaspora in all of these places that have mining heritage because a pretty well-known phrase, if you're Cornish, you'll know this, but no one else will. But um, a mine is a hole anywhere in the world with a Cornishman at the bottom of it. The Cornish were so renowned for mining because we have this great big granite rock mass underneath most of Cornwall, which means that we are probably one of the most geologically rich diverse places in the whole world and we've been mining that shit for centuries I tell you <laughs> we've been trading it with the Phoenicians we've been trying to make you know big bucks on what we've got underground for a while so um, that mining history with the the knockers and the Tommy knockers um, in America you'll find a lot of americans in those areas have cornish heritage well and that makes
2: so much sense oh, well, i shortage. mean we're in colorado that's like mountains it's just yes. mountains oh. so of course it's going to be like mines everywhere everywhere you look there's some sort of mining town um that's so cool though like it's really good yeah. to know while i was sipping on root beer turns out there's a long history behind
1: uh just just a brand. Um, yeah. And one of my favorite things actually is when you start seeing folklore in pop culture like that, when you start seeing folklore in brands and in adverts and in, you know, what have you, I think it's cool. I think it's kind of awesome, to be honest, because it's a way of that kind of stuff living on, even if people aren't aware of it. Because when you do find out about it, it's like, oh my God, wow. (laughs)
2: Um, So there's also this this big thing um, on TikTok for sure, uh, but in the supernatural sense that every single mushroom circle is going to teleport you into fairyland and you're never coming back. Um, where does this come from? Is this more of the Victorian BS or is this something that like actually was pretty well like formatted because I'm kind of tired of seeing every single uh, mushroom circle and having a video
1: pop up on my
2: FYP for it.
1: I can tell you now that I have walked through many mushroom circles willing, willing the universe to teleport me to the other world. And it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> i done, me. me. Eat me out of here. Um, It hasn't happened yet, I'm afraid. No, but I don't know the exact origins where that's from, but there are loads of origins surrounding portals to other worlds and surrounding. So the ones that I know the most about um, are sort of the kind of Irish and Welsh versions of the celtic otherworld and those are accessed through usually mounds um, and bodies of water and that kind of thing so it's quite a chthonic underworld it's this otherworld but it's not like the greek underworld it's not kind of an afterlife it's more of a world on top of our own and that's where fairies are from that's where the other folk are from and you can find similar stories in um you know The Faroe Islands, Iceland, Scandinavia, and you can also find similar stories across the world actually. Sometimes you can trace similarities with, um, you know, European countries, mostly because of the weather systems being similar and the geography being similar, and in my opinion that's probably only That's probably the main reason for the similarities, to be honest, because you can trace some similarities um, across the whole world with the other folk. And most cultures have that idea of the other folk. I mean, definitely. Uh, As somebody
2: who studies indigenous folklore, I can definitely understand what you're talking about. Um, I just always found it super interesting because in a lot of uh, native culture, you'll see that it's particularly circles around trees, because that was just a little rarer than seeing just random circles on the ground of mushrooms but yeah. it's always wild it like been wild to me because i'm like really we're under the impression that outside where the grass was just watered you think that you're going <laughs> to teleport into uh from suburbia into another world like i'm a little
1: Little it's just up, It's wishful thinking isn't it? It's wishful thinking. And let's be fair mushrooms are cute. Um oh, and a lot of I actually watched this bit tangany but I'll come back to the point let's I go. promise. You. I just watched this documentary on Dungeons and Dragons art. And they were saying how a lot of these creatures had never been painted before. They had never been this artistic depiction of creatures before, right? And when I am usually uh, making my little folklore videos on TikTok, or I'm posting on Folklore Thursday hashtag on Twitter, and I'm searching for images of some of the creatures I want to talk about, that I've read about, you can't find anything, right? So what people are relying on is they are relying on existing iconography. And there is a lot of existing iconography iconography of fairies and little cute piskies sitting on toadstools and sitting on mushrooms and that kind of thing. So really a lot of the time if you're not willing to kind of delve deep into literary sources you are relying on the past iconography that people have deigned to paint or draw in the past and that kind of limits a lot of people sometimes because without these images it's really hard to kind of package up the little stories that you're talking about and to make videos and to make content but that is probably i don't know if that's what uh inspires that idea as well just that there's a lot of images of, of little fairies sitting on toadstools i do kind of love the images of fairies
0: sitting on toadstools even oh. though i know they're probably not accurate i'm like oh well,
1: my cute <laughs> this is the thing i don't think there is an accurate and a wrong when it comes to folklore because in my mind um it we're talking about stories we're talking about storytelling. whether or not there are things in this world that exist outside of the realms of what we kind of um can see every day Mm -hmm. Um, i kind of think that the world is too vast we can't know everything that's in it and i i like to think there are all these strange, interesting things happening in the world. But when we're talking about folklore and written sources and that kind of thing, it's storytelling, man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's storytelling. There can be no right version, no wrong version. And I also like the Toadstool fairies, mostly because there's a lot of Cornish piskies depicted. Oh, yeah. In that kind of, they're very coquettish. They're sort of to the side with their knees pulled up, hugging their knees, yep. winking at whoever is drawing the picture. I think they're pretty cute. You.
2: <laughs> so I do agree with you to a certain extent uh, about what you're saying about folklore can't ever be incorrect. Um, but for me personally, especially because you've seen the travesties that happen amongst Indigenous people here in America. Um, I think that that is so correct as long as you're not harming the culture it's traditionally from. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important to, to really dictate because a lot of people are just going to take it and run and be like i can say whatever i want because folklore is never wrong um yeah. but i think that that's one of the major things is just make sure you're not doing any harm yeah uh, otherwise go for it have a good
0: so i have a question what is your opinion on people who think that fairies of celtic origin are everywhere or how how prevalent i guess let's consider let's treat it as though like fairies are real let's like humor that kind of mindset uh, how prevalent are they and how how like likely is it for you to spot a fuka sitting in a tree somewhere in Canada
1: I think every culture of the world has stories about other things about mm-hmm. other folk so we all have our own different kind of depictions of what they look like physically. And sometimes they vary quite greatly, um, but sometimes they're kind of similar looking, you know, there are some truly like terrifying, horrifying, amazing um, indigenous American folklore uh, with, you know, I don't even want to, I won't say the names of the creatures because yeah. I get told <laughs> off whenever I do. Um, <laughs> But you know, there's also some pretty horrific, violent, gross stuff from Scotland as well. And you think, you know, there's lots of blood and decapitation and like starvation and horrible, creepy stuff going on. Um, so the the themes, the the physical depiction and like the artistic depictions that we've seen might vary quite greatly. But actually, a lot of the core themes that human beings are interested in um, remain quite similar yeah so when we're talking about like the celtic fairy um that's only because the people in this region wrote about them in a certain way and mm-hmm. carried on that storytelling in a certain way um whereas it would have Organically, kind of grown differently in other places. But if you're going to go completely theoretical, we were one big landmass at one point, right? I'm yeah. not very good at geology. <laughs> I'm like, where are we I'm- <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Pangeas, it. totally. Yeah, let's there, go. With there you,
2: it. you go. There and you go. Yeah. So,
1: at one, point, at one point, if you go back far enough, human beings are all from the same place. And if you go mm-hmm. back far enough, the world wasn't as kind of fragmented as it is now. So, I. Won't say I kind of do believe in other folk, and I kind of don't. But what I am interested in as a folklorist and as a histor- historian from those perspectives is that all of the cultures of the world, every single one, has some kind of story about another world or another mm. folk, hidden folk, or what have, whatever you want to call them. This
2: is probably yeah. one of my favorite episodes because, um. I'm talking, I get to talk with a folklorist for starters, <laughs> uh, because a lot of what we talk about here on this podcast is like witchcraft, spirituality. Um, but it is nice to get to take that little step back and actually talk about folklore, the culture, mm-hmm. um, where these stories initia- initially come from. Because it's not really that magical, so to say. It's yeah. usually these stories come out of what is needed and what was prevalent during those times.
0: I also um, but the I'm so I'm Italian American, I'm an Italian folk practitioner, so I study a lot of Italian folklore. We have fairies. We have yeah. little they're little il, il, I have a book on them, il piccolo, piccolo <laughs> little people, and they look nothing like they were like. Just small people without wings, like maybe like three stature and height, and they granted wishes, <laughs> 10 out of 10. And that's kind of what we see with them. And then we have like maybe some, maybe some gnomes, like the, there were different types, but everywhere, especially in America, there's stories of little people.
2: Yeah, I'd very much like it yeah. stated, um, screw garden gnomes garden gnomes yeah i i have bones? okay so get this right my grandma loved those little shits so much and <laughs> i hated them i don't know if i watched too many episodes of goosebumps i'm not 100% sure no i sure think
1: that. that's funny absolutely um, not so yeah, i have i have an unnatural <laughs> hatred i like the bones. little gnome well, is that the Cornish Piskey? in a lot of folklore, it's not this tiny diminutive little thing. It's a three-foot mm-hmm. man, basically. It's yep. a three-foot kind of man that kind of wears raggedy clothes and he kind of works on the field sometimes. What kind of cracks me up, actually, is if you give them, um, you usually with, and this is exists in England very much as well, and a lot of, um, a lot of countries, this idea of house spirits yep. um, and kind of Little hobs and house spirits and piskies and fairies that exist to help you in the house and help Mm -hmm. you on your land. Um, And you kind of keep them doing that by giving them like dishes of creamy milk and dishes of water and what have you. But you don't want to do is give them new clothes because then they bugger off and you never see them again. They're so delighted of getting new clothes. They're like, bye. Uh, See you later. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that's that's fascinating because a bunch of people on uh, like TikTok, especially over here in our parts of things. I shouldn't keep bringing up TikTok, but I'm going to anyway, because that's where my sources are coming from at the moment. They're like, don't give them new clothes because they'll get angry. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't think I understand.
1: Why would that? Why? Uh. in the kind of written folklore and you can only go so much with written folklore you know Mm -hmm. because it's it's all biased it's all written by someone we all have our own thoughts and agenda and you know interest in the world and how we navigate it but it's kind of the opposite right they're delighted of getting a new bit of clothing because they're usually in rags and they're like oh my god yes bye just leave they're like so i this makes me
0: think of like i by the way, should put on record. I hate J.K. Rowling, but I did grow up with the Harry Potter books. Mm, there are yeah, house girl. elves within those books yeah. that, when you give them a new piece of clothing, they then just are like, "Well, I'm free." Bye. So that oh. and I'm like, and they also have Cornish Piskies in the Harry Potter books. So I'm like, did J.K. Rowling like actually not be a shitlord about something and like look into folklore?
1: Yeah, a like coincidence. I'm gonna, you know, I'm not her biggest fan, but I also grew up with the books and I do think she did a lot of research into various bits of folklore. I think Mm -hmm. that's one thing that we can say she's done okay. Um, What she's done with some of the creatures, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, but she did (laughs) do a lot of research, it seems, into various bits of folklore. I wouldn't call Cornish Piskies winged and blue, uh, but that's just me. I think it was like, I was like,
0: eh, eh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I love that Um, but what about like do you have any questions for us?
1: I guess um, well for a start it would be interesting to know if you know at all what uh, Americans perceive kind of uh, Celtic in Britain to be in British folklore and this kind of thing because I see a lot of things like Oh, British accent and all this stuff. And you think, we've got hundreds of accents here and we've got so many different regions here. And it would be interesting to know um, what kind of uh, understanding and awareness there is for the different nations within the UK and then the different regions within the UK and their own particular histories. I think
2: a lot of what we get is from popular media. So a lot of it is either very, very... Prim, improper uh, yeah. accents, or we get like a big loud Cockney accent. Yeah. Um, or we get the angry Irish. Northern. Like, you get
1: the angry Northern sometimes. Yes. Yeah. That. And
2: uh, <laughs> that's basically all we're shown. Like, not, not as like a wild propaganda, whatever kind of thing, but mm-hmm. as a because it's so baseline that I think a lot of actors can get to, um, that just ends up being what we see a lot. Of. At least don't,
1: that's what I think. And I don't really kind of criticize Americans for that because it's a real big thing in the UK. And I'm being kind of a little bit controversial here, I suppose, in that some people are very wedded to this idea of a colonial imperial Britain. That's where their kind of pride comes from, is Britain, is Great Britain, is this um as empire and what have you. When actually that's easier to kind of package up and be a product and sell to people but really every single region every single bit of the UK has its own deep rich history and heritage and in some cases language and culture and even plenty of people in Britain and England are trying to erase that. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that people outside of the UK don't really have Any idea sometimes what's going on here because most people here don't.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I we just filmed a uh, Romani episode not too long ago, and one of my friends who I've been neutrals with for a while now, they were like, "Where do you think I'm from?" And I had no clue, so I was like, "They asked
0: that because I thought they were from England, and they are from Ireland, which is a mistake." as a Yuck. big mistake and they're like I was like I couldn't pin your accent and they're like it's a mix of Irish and Romani like my my one of my parents is a thick Irish accent one of my other parents is a very thick Romani accent so I kind of have both and I'm like yeah I don't know I just pinned it as England because it sounded similar but not quite to an yeah. Irish accent and similar but not quite to a English accent and even then within that there's different sections of like there's a Manchester accent that oh, I yeah. just heard the other day and I was like oh my god what? <laughs> yeah
1: so it, it's oh oh no totally it's one of the things that kind of like breaks my heart a little bit sometimes is that you know Britain gets turned into not by other people but by ourselves mm-hmm. you know we get turned into this quite homogeneous thing and yeah. um, but actually, there's hundreds of, you know, accents in the UK. There's so much history. You know, we've got a lot. We're quite lucky in that we've got quite a deep, rich, old history in some regions. Um, you know, languages, cultural heritage, archaeology. But there is not that appreciation for it. And um, even here, lots of people quite angry with that. In fact, some of my work, why I'm a little bit protective of Americans sometimes is that some of my worst comments are from English people. They're not from Americans. Some of my absolute worst awful comments when I talk about Cornish history are from people in other regions of the UK, which are just really angry that their worldview is being kind of challenged. Yeah.
2: Um, so actually, that's a great point. Um, in your experience, who do you who takes it better when you just blow their minds about like, different cultural aspects and different historical aspects? Like, who do you generally think handles it a little
1: bit better? In terms of if you're just going to go English or American, Americans, 100%, you might get a little bit of hurt feelings uh, and embarrassment with people like, oh shit, I've been the one that's romanticised things. Girl, yeah. me too. <laughs> Let's go. Like, I grew up being obsessed with Tolkien elves and wanting oh, to go God, to the Tolkien. other world. God, Tolkien. Thank you very much. So I totally understand it. But I think... Um, there's less so there's some hurt feelings some embarrassment some people are, are angry at being kind of challenged that their idea of a homogenous Celtic thing or, or you don't have celtic blood that's another one i do um yes. but <laughs> no i don't but they get angry that you know you tell them mm-hmm. you don't have celtic blood it doesn't exist and then they're just what? like i'm mean they're like oh, i've got i've got red hair i've got celtic blood no um, <laughs> nah. not a thing not a thing I've but I've i think the the most nasty and the most pernicious and the most hurtful um are sometimes Brit comments from Britain comments from um people in England who are and I wish that they could know that, that their own region has a deep well of history as well and has all this cool stuff mm-hmm. but it's almost like a personal attack that Um, you know they find out other places in the UK have this great history and another thing I wanted to touch on earlier is Cornwall is it is in in England but Cornwall and Cornish uh, is a recognized national minority and has been um, underneath the European framework for the protection of national minorities since 2014 I believe Mm -hmm. so Cornish Ethnicity, if you want to call it, your Cornish culture and Cornish language and heritage is distinctly different from England. And I think that upsets some people because, you know, geographically, politically, Cornwall is part of England. But I think it upsets some people that actually, historically, it's not that long since Cornwall was its completely own place. So I think in the 16th century, you had authors saying, the people that make up Britain are the Welshman, the Scottishman, uh, the Englishman and the Cornishman. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you've got really cool examples of um, laws, law courts ruling in the favour of... Right, I'll give you a call. I'm going on a tangent, but I'll give you a cool example. That's okay. I'm excited. There was this law, law case that I can uh, find it and link it to afterwards. There was this law case where two kind of houses had the same um, What's it called? Uh Emblem? image. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it's called. That uh their same coat of arms. Yeah. They go. had the same coat of arms. And um they went back and forth. And eventually it was ruled that they could both have that coat of arms because one was English and one was Cornish. And they were from two different nations. Um, oh, and God, I think yeah. that was only, I don't know, 12th century or something yeah. like that. And um, it's so really in the scheme of things, that's not that long. You're talking about you know, a few hundred years that Cornwall was distinctly considered its own nation. And I think that is an attack on the institution of the United Kingdom and on Great Britain in the same way that uh, Welsh independence movements, Scottish independence movements, and Irish unification movements, they're all an attack on the institution and it makes some people feel very uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I see. We all hate uh, English rule. Got it. <laughs>
0: I was actually, I had a question for Sean um so I don't know because we're talking about the romanticization of kind of the quote-unquote Celtic like just uh, Celtic um culture and I don't know if you're familiar at all with Gerald Gardner or Wicca or Mm. anything like that but a lot so there's this kind of concept of the Wiccan or witch wheel of the year and four out of eight of the holidays included are celtic fire festivals kind of rebranded and i say celtic very loosely some of them are irish some of them are welsh some of them are scottish um Mm -hmm. but a lot of witches and wiccans celebrate these as wiccan holidays when most of the original information on a like when we look at lunasa we don't think about the god lu we're like who's that what <laughs> when the holiday was originally created just like celebrate him and so i've noticed online there is a bit of a pushback against that wheel of the year and its use of the celtic fire festivals and wiccans and witches celebrating it not necessarily celebrating it because of celtic heritage or reclaiming it or kind of celebrating what it is meant to celebrate but just celebrating it because it was rebranded as the modern wheel of the year for witches. And I would love to know your opinion on like that romantization and that kind of, I guess a lot of people use the term appropriation of like taking it from the culture it belonged to in terms of Welsh, uh, Cornish, Irish, Scottish, and then just kind of like being like, okay, this is Wiccan now. And so I personally don't, don't celebrate the fire festivals because I have not I'm not from Wales I'm not there's not a part of my body that is Irish or Welsh or (laughs) anything and I'm just like I don't I don't feel the need to celebrate
1: because but I would love to know your opinion I mean you used a really interesting word rebranding that's what it is it's and Mm -hmm. I've I've kind of found myself unintentionally but I've realized I've been using terms like packaging up and selling and products and stuff like that and that's what a lot of this is a lot of um you know a lot of modern religious practices and what have you that are trying to gain members and trying to gain you know what have you it's selling them something that they want so you're taking stuff that already exists you're packaging up nicely in a neat kind of way and then you're sort of selling it on so I've got, personally, I've got no problem with anyone being interested in Welsh or Cornish history and cultural practices. I think it'd be fucking cool if someone wanted to um, run around with a horse skull and a robe sitting, knocking yes. on their neighbor's doors and you know, doing rap battles. I think that'd be like fucking awesome. Um, let's go. Let's That's one go. of my favorite holiday things too. When I researched yeah. it, I'm like,
2: oh my God, people do this. I want to do it.
1: Because if you think a lot of what we know, we don't, we simply, don't know what the real pre-Christian traditions were. in the uk We we there is no unbroken line people whatever people say i don't believe in it personally there is no unbroken chain of some of these cultural practices they've and and things don't stay the same things don't stay stagnant culture is constantly evolving and changing social morality um what we're interested in our fears our desires our beliefs the way we navigate the world it changes all of the time. Language changes all of the time. So I think that any kind of uh, notion of harking back to some mystical ancient time and you're doing stuff that like 4,000 years ago people do, it's nonsense. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing, with creating new things and doing things that are modern and kind of, you know, crediting where they come from. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just... I'm a little bit wary of the cynical kind of marketing aspect of some of it, you know, the kind of the branding of certain things. But other than that, I think I would, I don't really have too much of a problem with anyone in America kind of being deeply, deeply interested in mind pixies and what have you. Like to me, I'm like, yes, go for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the main critique too is that it that rebranding possibly takes away the origin. Cause we don't, we don't really see it as like Imbolc originated from here. We see it as Imbolc is a Wiccan holiday. Here's what you can do to celebrate. And that is, has been a big problem of like some of these holidays are still celebrated in Ireland. And then what, do people know how it's celebrated in Ireland? Like Biotana? uh it's celebrated very differently in the wiccan wheel of the year than it is in Ireland but is to be had like I I don't know there's I'm thinking of all the critiques that are coming up in my head but and I can't get them all
1: out at once (laughs) I I definitely think you know it's worth mentioning that you kind of you can divorce things from their origin and in a way that's kind of dangerous because you lose all of the historical and Mm -hmm. cultural context around the thing and also bits of, you know, bits of language. A lot of these are derived from um, the language of a people. Um, so you've got Hop Tune in Isle of Man. is the kind of Isle of Man Halloween. And then you've got Nos Callan Guave or what have you in Cornwall and also very similar in Wales. And then Samhain in Ireland mm-hmm. and Scotland. And these, you know, when you kind of homogenize them and put them all together um or when you kind of pinch a little bit and shove it over here you do kind of divorce it from its kind of original context but sometimes the original context is not as old as you kind of think yeah it might be um i have to say though i have a little bit of a soft spot for real, commercial, disgusting, capitalist, American Halloween. I love it. <laughs> I <do.
2: laughs> we, we're really good at the aesthetic, capitalist uh, Halloween. It's so I... I
1: love Halloween. And I know oh, I it's... Love... Oh, I would love it. I would love to be in America for Halloween. Halloween here is boring most of the time.
2: Yeah, come on over. <laughs> uh, you know, when when the Pangea is uh, done, come on over. We'll <gasps> get
0: you, we'll take you to Spirit of Halloween or Spirit, Spirit of Halloween, it. which is the worst Halloween store. It only comes up every once in a while. There's like these awful animatronic, like scary things that pop out at you. You can find the cheapest, worst costumes.
1: I would be obsessed, would be obsessed with scary. It's like, Halloween. it's a
0: vibe. Like, you, can, it's like there's a vibe there. And I know that I'm a witch and I'm supposed to hate everything that Halloween stands for and all these other things, but I can't. I love going trick or treating and dressing yeah. up stupid. Uh, that's just. Oh, me. I've
2: always been a huge haunted house fan. I love oh, going through yeah. all of the haunted houses here in um because they're just they're put together ten- so, so hilariously.
1: oh it's so oh. fun and you know if you're looking at it in terms of, you could do the criticism you could do oh well you know it derives from irish salwain and what have you when you but at the end of the day a lot of this shit is bringing communities together it's bringing people together yeah. even if it's bringing people together to spend 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 and money I, mean, I know. <laughs>
2: well, and that's the whole it's, thing just respect yeah. if you can do it respectfully then why not like yeah because back in the day people would talk about like oh well this is where your grandpa came from and this is how it happened and this is why we have our traditions now Mm -hmm. um I think that that's the one major critique I have for a lot of these kinds of holidays the major critique is that we have devoid ourselves from looking back and saying this is where it came from yeah it's great this is what's back in the day this is where we are now because if you could do that, yeah. then people would then be like, we, we "Okay, it. it's dope, like nice. great."
1: I would say though that, kind of a lot of the time, I think some people get uh, take some things a little bit seriously, and they get quite somber when they look at these cultural kind of festivals. Mm-hmm. I think it's a universal thing that human beings just like a bit of a piss up. We just like to get drunk a lot of the time. We like to eat loads of food. We like to drink loads. We like, not everyone in the past was hugely devout. I think a lot of people oh, were yeah. hedging their bets. <laughs> I can't imagine that everyone was really into um, the Christian gods or everyone was really into this idea of like oh, yeah. a tree God or something like that. Most people were like, well, whatever's happening. I don't care. This festival means I can drink loads. Get I can drunk. dance. Yes. Great, great man, cool. You're great yeah.
2: anyway. Back the punch bowl.
0: There's so many holidays in Christianity that were placed close to like pagan festivals to bring them over. And I'm like, you can't yeah. tell me that no one was getting drunk on this oh, day.
1: Do you know what? Medieval peasants actually didn't have as bad of a life as you may think. They had about, they had about a third of it off to get drunk on holidays. I want great. that life right now.
0: <laughs> it's like you get some potatoes, you get some bread and you just go for it. You
1: want to know something horrifying? Yes. They didn't have potatoes. Nope, that's an us thing. No, they, and do you know what? And it actually keeps me up nights sometimes that Henry VIII never ate a potato. I can't, I'm sorry. Oh my God. I don't want to live in a world where that's like Henry VIII didn't ate. Are you telling, I don't believe it. Henry VIII would have loved potatoes. He would have (laughs) had an abundance of potatoes. I just.
2: They the come only from, time. They the come only from over time. Here you can you imagine America's. not having French,
0: like, not figuring, like, I just think about, like, there are people who never tried a french fry in their life. French fries are my go to, like, snack food along with chips. Like, can you imagine not having a potato?
1: Then. I love them. Oh, they're so good. You can cook them in so many Any, different ways. Anything a potato can do, I, I love it. I respect it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think about. Potatoes are so. Okay, we were, we're going on a tangent about potatoes.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about them all day. Hey. Um, but that's we... the
1: only that's the oh. only way that's the only reason I feel any sympathy for Henry VIII. It's because potato. he didn't
0: have a potato. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah. like he loved sweet happy. potatoes though. He, he he was obsessed with okay. sweet potatoes. It's like the, the only reason
2: that I people. ever feel bad for George Washington is he didn't know about dinosaurs, but he knew about dragons.
0: Oh the my
1: mo- god! The more, the more important one, I think. The In world, my world, opinion, Velociraptor My little Welsh dragon like... Is that a, a wyvern? Is a Welsh dragon? A no, dragon? Welsh, oh. Welsh dragons are like I mean, This is not a proper Welsh dragon But you that's... can sort of see it, the flag Yeah um, They've got their have four legs And they've got a kind of like canine type of face interesting and dragons
2: could okay. be an entire episode on own. we're gonna own. have <laughs> to have, we're gonna
1: have to have There's you back a for a thing. dragon
2: episode genuinely because
0: <laughs> i could talk about dragons all fucking day
2: <laughs> all right i i think that we're off of everything on the list
0: that's what i was gonna say i think do we have any final thoughts anything we want to add last minute
2: uh well first off sean where can we find you
1: Well, you can find, if you want to learn about Celtic myths and legends, then you can find me on. Celtic Myths and Legends podcast, very imaginatively named, and that's pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts. I've badgered all of the platforms, um, <laughs> I've bothered them all. Or you can find me on TikTok at Celtic underscore S I A N Sean, um, or you can find me on um, Twitter at uh, Sean Esther, which again S I A N E S T H E R.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on um yeah this has been books and broomsticks i'm chaotic witch Hunt.
2: and i'm matt hatter plays and we will talk to you guys next week
0: yeah bye